Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Radio Omniglot podcast, a podcast about language and linguistics. My name is Simon Eger, and in this episode, I am telling you the story of the man who made Birchbark talk. Now, this topic was suggested by one of the people on the Omniglot fan club on Facebook. I asked for suggestions for topics for this podcast, and one of those suggestions was to talk about the way missionaries have created ways to write many different languages. In some cases, they've adapted existing alphabets, such as the Roman alphabet or the Cyrillic alphabet. In other cases, they've created completely new alphabets and writing systems. And what we're talking about today is one of those cases. So the man who made Birchbark talk was otherwise known as James Evans. He was born on the 18th of January, 1801, in Kingston-upon-Hull, in the north-east of England. His father, also called James, was a sea captain, and his mother was called Mary. That's about all we know about her, according to the sources I looked at. So he grew up in Kingston-upon-Hull, and later went to boarding school in Lincolnshire. And after he finished school, he became an apprentice grocer. And at some point, he also learnt shorthand, which will be important later. In 1821, his family emigrated to Canada, and he joined them a few years later in 1823. And he found work as a teacher, initially in a town called L'Original in Lower Canada. And while he was there, he met and married a woman called Mary Blythe Smith. And in 1825, they moved to Augusta Township on the St. Lawrence River in what was then Upper Canada. Now, James and his family were all Methodists, and at some point he went to a camp meeting. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but um, that's what it says in the sources I checked. And he was inspired to become a missionary, so he started training as a Methodist minister. He was eventually ordained in 1833. But before then, in 1828, he became a teacher at Rice Lake in Upper Canada, and he was teaching in a school with students from the local Ojibwe tribe. And he learnt their language and worked out a way to write it with the Roman alphabet at first, and he printed a number of religious works, translations of the Bible and other things. He also produced a dictionary of Ojibwe, with the intention of helping him to learn the language better and to help him teach English to the Ojibwe people. And then in about 1840, while he was working in Norway House in Hudson's Bay, he came up with an alternative way to write Ojibwe, a syllabic script, which is possibly based on Pittman's shorthand, which had been published in 1837, although he was possibly familiar with other forms of shorthand before then, and he was also influenced by the Cherokee script, which is a syllabary in which there are separate symbols for each syllable in the language. James Evans had worked out that in Ojibwe there are a limited number of syllables, and he thought in order to write it, rather than using the Roman alphabet, you could use separate symbols for each syllable of the language. But he came up with a clever trick, which is also found in Pittman's shorthand, in which you rotate the symbols. So you have fewer symbols, and then each rotation has a different sound. In the case of Ojibwe, for example, there are symbols for each vowel, which are triangles. And a triangle pointing upwards is an E sound, 
pointing downwards, it's an A sound. Pointing to the left, it's an U or O sound. And pointing to the right, it's an O or U sound. And then other symbols represent a consonant plus a vowel. And as there are only so many consonants and so many vowels, the whole system is relatively straightforward and easy to learn. There are also smaller versions of the consonant symbols to write syllables with a final consonant, and a dot over a vowel makes it long. So it's a very clever sim- um, system, and this system proved very popular. Initially he used it for Ojibwe, and then later on he adapted it for the Cree language, which he also studied, and he taught it in the schools he was teaching in to the, the Ojibwe and Cree students, and they passed it on to their families and friends, and it soon spread. And within about 10 years, by about 1850, most of these people could read and write in their own language. At the time, paper was scarce in Canada, and they used whatever material was to hand to write on. For example, birch bark from trees, which they wrote on with soot from burnt sticks, or they carved messages in trees, or on sandbanks, or whatever they could find. And they nicknamed James Evans the man who made birch bark talk. James Evans himself didn't have much paper either. And when he wanted to print texts in syllabics, at first he carved type using wood and made ink from soot and printed on birch bark. Later on he made type from lead he got from the linings of tea chests and from old bullets. Now he went as a missionary and teacher, and he was keen to try and convert these people to Christianity, but in the end he actually ended up adopting many of their habits and customs, which led to conflict with the church authorities and with his own beliefs that he'd grown up with. So not everybody was happy with the way he behaved, or this script he invented Some of the church authorities believed it would be better to teach the natives to read and write in the Latin or Roman alphabet and to try and teach them the customs and habits of the European people. But James Evans didn't agree. He thought these people were fine as they were. And there was also conflict between these nomadic people who ranged over large areas and the settlers coming in from Europe mainly who wanted land to farm and settle on. And some people were trying to get these natives to to stay in one place and try and teach them to farm, even though the land wasn't necessarily suitable for farming. And James Evans thought it was best to lead them to their their nomadic lifestyle. It had suited them for probably thousands of years, and why change it? In 1844, on a trip into Athabasca country, James Evans accidentally shot his most trusted teacher, the interpreter Thomas Hassel, and he never fully recovered from the shock. His character changed, he was emotionally disturbed, and after his daughter Eugenia Clarissa married in 1845, he was lonely, and he was caring for a number of native girls in his house, and this was deemed inappropriate behaviour, and he was accused, or there were rumours of sexual misconduct with these these girls, and later formal charges were brought against him, and there was a trial under the, the Wesleyan Church discipline, but he was found not guilty, but his uh, caring for these girls in his house, some of them were sick, 
was judged imprudent, and he went to London in 1846, partly to try and clear his name, and he went on a tour explaining what he was up to in Canada, telling stories about all the things he had seen and things he had done. And people were fascinated by all these exotic and interesting places and things he talked about. But in November of that year, the 23rd of November, to be precise, when in Keelby in Lincolnshire, he unfortunately died of a heart attack. Now his legacy lives on, because the Cree and Ojibwe syllabaries are still used, and they have been adapted to write other languages, for example, Inuktitut, an Inuit language spoken in parts of Canada. In some places people use the what are known as Inuktitut syllabics, and for a few other languages as well. There have been times when their use has been forbidden or discouraged, for example, in the 1960s and 70s, the... Department of Indian and Northern Affairs, as it was called at the time, had policies to try and integrate the First Nations, as they're now called, at the time they're called Indians, into mainstream Euro-Canadian society. And part of this policy was to forbid them from using their native language and the scripts they had, this syllabics, and to use the Roman alphabet. But uh, I've read of cases in some of the sources I looked at of native speakers of Cree, for example, one of them he told of receiving a letter from his father in syllabics, which included a chart showing how the sounds worked, and from this he was able to work out how to read and write the script, and he replied to his father in the same script, and they continued to correspond using syllabics. So often people weren't taught in school how to read and write in syllabics, but they learnt anyway from family and friends, or they taught themselves. So at the moment, there's only one variety of Ojibwe that's still written with the syllabics. It is known as Seven Ojibwa, or Ojikri, or Northern Ojibwa. And there are several varieties of Cree that are written with these syllabics, and some varieties of Inuktitut, and a few other languages. So they, it's remarkable that their use has continued more than all this time for over 170 years, often without any formal instruction or schooling. In fact, in some cases, people who were taught these syllabics in school found them difficult to learn, but those who taught themselves or learned them from friends and family actually found them easier. There are some people who believe that James Evans didn't, in fact, create the Cree and Ojibwe syllabic scripts. Instead, it was a teacher and healer of the wood Cree called Calling Badger or Badger Call. This is according to Cree and Hopi legends, who died and went into the spirit world where he learnt syllabics. Then he came back to life and taught his people. And then James Evans came along and helped to popularise this script. One of the objections, or the reasons why people believe that James Evans didn't create these scripts was that he couldn't have possibly created something so different from European um, alphabets but as I mentioned it's thought that he based his script partly on um, Pittman shorthand and possibly other shorthand systems which are quite different to European scripts anyway and now it's time for a bit of music I think this is the Anishinaabe spirit bear song which I found on YouTube it is in the Western Ojibwa or Nakamwemoin language, which is spoken in southern Manitoba and 
southern Saskatchewan in Canada. It's also known as Salto or Plains Ojibwa. That was the Anishinaabe Spirit Bear song, which I found on YouTube. You can find a link to the video where that comes from. You can find notes on this episode and other episodes of this podcast at omniglot.com slash radio. You can leave your comments and suggestions for future episodes there. You can share it with your friends and all that sort of thing. 
This podcast is not sponsored by anybody. I make a living pretty well from Omniglot.com, but if you feel generous, you could leave a little donation, perhaps, or even a large one. There are donate buttons on the Omniglot.com website and on the Radio Omniglot website as well. So enough of that. It sounds like James Evans was quite a remarkable character. Apparently he studied languages for about four hours every day, about two hours on ancient languages, probably Latin and Greek and maybe Hebrew, and two hours on the modern languages he was working on, mainly Cree and Ojibwe. So he didn't have any formal training in linguistics. In fact, linguistics didn't really exist as a subject back in his time. People studied philology, the history of language back then. These days, if you want to go and document an unknown language, an unwritten language, you can get training in field linguistics and learn how to go about that. But back then, and before then, many people did remarkable things in studying these languages and managing to work out how to write them, either adapting their own alphabets or creating new ones, and then actually translating into them, which is quite a remarkable thing in itself, because most translations are actually done from a foreign language into your native language. Translating into a language you've learnt is very challenging, but people do this, and have done it many times. Quite a few spelling systems and some alphabets were invented by missionaries, including the Ojibwe Cree syllabics, invented by James Evans, the Blackfoot syllabary, which was based on on the Cree and Ojibwe syllabics and was invented by John Williams Timms. Also the Old Permic alphabet was invented by Stephen of Perm. The Cyrillic and Glagolitic alphabet were created by missionaries, as well as the Gothic alphabet and the Vietnamese alphabet. And the, Ro- the way of writing Vietnamese in the Roman alphabet was developed by a missionary called Alexandre de Rode. Before then, the few people in Vietnam who could write used a version of the Chinese script that had been adapted to write Vietnamese, known as Junom, or something similar. So I think that'll do for now. I hope you found this interesting and informative, and if you like it, or even if you don't, share it with your friends, leave a comment, a suggestion, and you can find more information about the topics I discussed as I said, at omniglot.com slash radio. If you want to contact me, you can leave a comment on that site I just mentioned. You can email me at feedback at omniglot.com. I've been Simon Ager, and I've been telling you the story of the man who made Birchback talk. So, thank you for listening, and goodbye for now.